Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. Support for this episode comes from Signature Bank of Arkansas. Founded here in Northwest Arkansas in 2005, Signature Bank of Arkansas is a full-service bank offering traditional checking and savings accounts, investment accounts, business and personal loans, and mortgages. When you bank with a community bank, you're investing in local businesses, local entrepreneurs, local charities, and the causes that are close to home. Signature Bank has worked hard to earn its tagline, Community Banking at its Best. Give the folks at Signature Bank a call today at 479-684-4700 or visit their website, Signature.Bank, and let them know you heard about them here first on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Signature Bank of Arkansas is a member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilbur.
Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited today. I have got a tremendous guest joining me. Mary Mickle is a partner and co-founder of Resplendent Hospitality. If you don't know who they are, you will by the end of this podcast. I'll just leave it at that. But Mary is an outstanding individual that I've gotten to know, both her and some members of her team, including Victoria Smith. Shout out to Victoria for connecting me with some of the more honorable restaurants here in Northwest Arkansas. And I'm being funny about that. All the restaurants are honorable here in Northwest Arkansas, but Resplendent Hospitality happens to represent a number of really great places to eat, including the Preacher's Son. And so they're one of the reasons um, why we have had two episodes of The Preacher's Son here featured on the podcast. One where I got to sit down with good old Matt Cooper and really had an amazing conversation. And then recently I sat down with Chef Neil Gray, who it took over for Matt at The Preacher's Son at the end of December of 2020, is doing an amazing job. I went and ate there a couple of weeks ago, and my wife and I are still talking about that meal to this day. So it's up to people like Mary and Victoria and the rest of the team at Resplendent Hospitality to really make a name for their clients and put them or keep them on the map, if you will. And it's not an easy job. And so we wanted to bring Mary on to talk a little bit about all of the things that Resplendent Hospitality does. They specialize in hospitality, lifestyle, CPG, and cannabis, PR, and marketing. So they do all of that for those different areas. And of course, we know about CPG because that's that's big in this neck of the woods with, with Walmart being right up the street and hospitality is what it is. And of course, cannabis is the new kid on the block when it comes to PR and marketing because, well, let's just face it, if she was doing PR and marketing for cannabis 10 years ago, she would have been working for some guys on a corner somewhere. And so we have graduated from there to making marijuana legal in most states, well, not most, some states, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. But anyway, I, I digress. Mary Mickle, how are you doing today? So good to have you on the podcast. I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell anybody that we had a good conversation going and I realized I looked down and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't hit record. So even a guy that has done over 700 podcast episodes <laughs> sometimes makes mistakes. And I always like to actually highlight that because people are like, your podcasts are so perfect. And I'm like, no, don't trust me. I make mistakes too. And sometimes I just, I just, I like to talk about it because it's good. I think too often we sit under a microscope thinking that life's always going to be perfect and it isn't. So it is what it is. Yeah. So Mary, why don't you tell our tribe of I am Northwest Arkansas a little bit about you, your superhero origin story, as we like to say, and I'm all juiced up on this whole superhero theme. I watched the four hour rendition of of Justice League this past weekend. I couldn't do it in one sitting. I had to do it over three nights. So at the time of recording this, it just came out like a week prior. And when I saw it, I was like, my kids were like, we got to watch this. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to have to pace myself. I'm 50 yeah, plus and I can't <laughs> sit down for a four hour movie. You know, I can't even watch The Godfather without breaking it up. So it was, you know, this whole idea of being a superhero is, is kind of really key in my mind right now. But I would love for you to tell your story because you have a really interesting one because you've been here, there and everywhere. So please, please indulge our audience with your superhero origin story. Yeah. And uh, no pressure there on the superhero part. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to tell you a little bit about me. I'm, I grew up in Arkansas, grew up in Little Rock, Mountain Home, Arkansas, graduated high school from Bryant. And then I went to the University of Arkansas here in Fayetteville, which is where I am for 
undergrad and I earned a degree in journalism. And all through high school, my first job was at age 15. Through college, I worked in restaurants and I loved working in restaurants. I love food. I love the culture. I love the vibe. I've always loved the tradition of rituals coming over, coming together over food. I think it warms your heart, makes people smile. I love, you know, how many different and interesting people you meet while working in restaurants, people that don't look like me, people that don't have any type of similar background to me. And that in itself energized me, you know, aside from what your standard university experience was. Two of the places I worked in college are still here, Tim's Pizza and Cafe Rue Orleans, which is owned by Madi and Carla. They're just tremendous humans on planet Earth. And then post-grad, I moved to Napa Valley, California. My, I moved for love. My now husband was there for culinary school. And so he and I both worked at a, a luxury resort called Meadowood Napa Valley there. And I was kind of in their guest services department, creating itineraries for the rich and famous, really. I checked in Oprah. Oh, <laughs> I nice. checked in uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, which was like a big fangirl moment for me. <laughs> and I would help develop their itineraries, everything from restaurants to massages to wineries. I developed a lot of reciprocal programs with wineries while I was there to get some kickbacks for us, like behind the desk folks. And that was really fun. I did quickly learn that the customer service portion of working in a hotel was just not something I was interested in doing in a long-term capacity. So I found an internship in the city in San Francisco, working for San Francisco's oldest and most boutique hospitality PR firm, which was Andrew Freeman and Company. And then I started as an intern. So I would work four days in Napa Valley and then three days in the city. And about two and a half months into my internship, I was hired on as the principal's executive assistant. And that was just a, a wild experience in itself. Everything from walking his dogs to getting his laundry to taking meetings at notes to looking at his pitch proposals, everything. And I learned so much working for him. And then, you know, late 2009, personal reasons called my husband and me back south. So we moved to Austin and we weren't quite ready to move to Arkansas at that point. So we landed in Austin in 2010. I also got married that year to my husband. <laughs> and we also founded a business, Argus Cidery, in that same year with a little nest egg we received from our wedding and with the goal to make, well, it was Texas's first cider at the time. And it was all with Southern apples at the time. So that was our first venture into the business world. And when I moved to Austin, I started working for another hospitality PR and marketing firm. And that's where I met my partner, Allie. And we started Resplendent in 2012. Yeah, it was, you know, Resplendent really was the culmination of two naive best friends working in an environment where our voices were neither heard nor respected. And we were convinced that there was a better way. We when you learned. say that, I don't mean to butt in, I, I, I don't want to gloss over that. When you said neither heard nor respected, was it because you were women? Nope. Well, you know, that's a great question. I had a woman as a boss, so I hope that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, you know, when you're young and you're essentially running a business for someone and they're not necessarily listening to your needs, your, your wants, like whatever requirements necessary to do the job, well, you start looking elsewhere. And yeah. that's kind of what we did. Well, that is what we did in 2012 when we started our agency. 
So it was um, nor- normal leadership dysfunction, not necessarily correct. geared towards your gender or anything like that. So, and that's not, I mean, you see that all the time. I mean, I work with the industry that I consult with. You see that all the time. And sometimes it's not about gender. It's just about bad management and leadership. It just right. screws everything up. So, right. And my partner had been there for five years and I was there for two years. And so, you know, we wanted to create a culture where voices were heard, where they were respected, where we created you know, a very fun place to work because we spent a lot of our time working. We also wanted to find a better way to forge relationships with clients, with journalists, with our employees. And so at age 25 and 26 for her, respectively, we we started the agency and our highs were crazy good and our lows were even worse. And I think we've been through a lot and we're stronger for it. And, you know, it started with hospitality because that was the bulk of our background. Her sure. Allie's background is super parallel to mine, except for she grew up in Chicago and went to school in Miami and then landed in Austin because she pulled like a name of a city out of a hat, legit, and then just moved <laughs> there. But I think, you know, once you become really well-versed in marketing a hospitality brand, you can really do it for any industry. I think the hospitality focus of creating incredible consumer experiences can be emulated for any brand. And so that's what we've kind of set out to do. Is that what pushed you into some of the other areas? Was CPG just kind of a fait accompli because you're in this area or were you legitimately interested in getting into consumer product goods? I think it came with maturing and interest. And as you grow older, you realize, oh, well, I'm also interested in policy. I'm also interested in what cannabis legalization is going to do for the state. I'm interested in what nonprofits are doing to make our communities better. I'm interested in making sure everyone has the right and ability to vote. And so I think that that kind of, you know, that just comes with us getting a broader knowledge of the world in itself. And I want to talk about it because I'm really good at that. (laughs) That's good. I mean, that means, you know, and I think that's a lesson for anybody listening to this is that sometimes that while the niche is important, it's also important to know the things that that keep you getting up each morning and getting out and doing new things, because sometimes you get you get into a routine and sometimes being in a routine or being routinized is not always a good thing for the creative soul that is. And you, right. you appear to be a creative soul. So I, exactly. And I think, you know, <laughs> this job never gets stale. I love seeing brands grow with our help, reaching new people, new milestones, getting to tell the story on their terms with their vision intact. And I think, you know, publicists get this bad rap of spin, spin, spin. We got to make sure the story is, you know, always uh, with the positive purview for our clients, but that doesn't always have to be the case. And we can be real, honest human individuals, just like you said, like sometimes we make mistakes and we got to talk about it so others can learn. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. How did you guys end up with rope swing? I think that's interesting, you know, rope swing for a lot of people. And this was something that I learned. And I know in telling the story of rope swing through some of my podcast episodes and just learning about them as a whole, It just gives me a better understanding for how things have been done here in Northwest Arkansas and also the eye to the future that a lot of organizations have in this area, right? So that things aren't just happening by chance. I mean, there is some method to the madness, but how did you guys get connected with Rope Swing? Yeah, that's a great question. I would like to say that it was perfect timing. We, I kind of had this, my grandfather passed away in 2017 and I had this like existential crisis of, and he lived in Little Rock, of not seeing my family on major holidays. So my husband Were and I- Were you close with your grandfather? Very close with my yeah, grandfather. Yeah, I'm the first yeah. grandchild. I was the first girl for a very long time. 
but very tight with my grandfather. He died of a, of a heart attack on Christmas Eve, which was like, oh man, I'm sorry. Really <laughs> shocking Tough. in itself, yeah. right? So I was determined that I was going to move back to Arkansas. And my husband and I kind of put a realistic goal of three years on that. We wanted to be in Arkansas spring 2020, which happened. <laughs> so <laughs> when I was kind of looking for clients that would make sense to move or for me to establish full-time residency in Arkansas, it would necessitate me having a book of business for me to be here. So I was really inspired just by everything that was happening. And every time I visited for like a friend's wedding or to see my brother who lives in Fayetteville, there was always something cool and new and interesting happened. So the first people I reached out to was the Fayetteville Roots Festival. Brian Hembry kind of took a chance on an unknown kid. We met at Onyx on Greg. We talked for, gosh, probably two hours. And I somehow convinced him to let me help do the PR for their festival. And this past year would have been the third festival that we would have done together. And we're still working with them. And we actually just moved into their offices. So we're... Oh, nice. Downtown. Um, the yeah, Roots Building, like, as we like to call it, yes. across from the Prior Center. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. just moved in there. And then the second client... I reached out to was Rob Apple at Rope Swing. And he kind of, I think he stepped out on a limb and kind of took a chance on an unknown kid with Resplendent. And it was right when they had an in-house marketing person leaving. So the timing was, you know, worked really well. He saw the work that we did in Austin, some of the case studies, some of the people that we've, you know, started from one location to several locations. We not only can do PR, marketing, social media, but we can do photography, we can consult on programming, we can consult on operations as far as how it relates to the consumer experience. And I think that that stood out to him. So we were brought on to do pretty much every concept that they had at the time. And that was a very large undertaking and made quick business of me making a permanent residency in Northwest Arkansas. So that's kind of how that started out. I think, you know, so Before, we have, are you saying that we have rope swing to thank for you being domiciled here in Northwest Arkansas? <laughs> Outside of the fact that you have roots here, of course, but you know, yes. they, they made it easy for you to make that decision. They made it easy for us to make that decision as a business. And especially when a partner's moving to be full time and open a second office, they did, you know, they were a huge part in playing that role for us. And I'm forever thankful for that. And it's been an up an uphill battle for all restaurants to kind of pivot and recoup what was lost. And I feel like we're only now seeing, you know, the, seeing the light. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, just basically that description is, it makes a great case for why diversification is key, right? Cause while restaurants may have closed, I'm sure cannabis, that industry started to flourish, right? I mean, you know, when you're, under a lot of stress. I mean, there are a lot of other options out there for you. I should so. say it's essential, right? Yeah, exactly. It is essential. Yeah. It gives new meaning to the word essential. So right, yeah, right. no, that brings up a good point, but I would love for you to talk about, cause this is a great place for us to pivot here and talk about the fact that you didn't really let any grass grow under your feet during this pandemic. And in addition to what you were able to scrounge up and work on hospitality related during the pandemic, you also were instrumental behind a, a major campaign that took place, which was the Mask of Arkansas campaign. And I'd love for you to kind of speak to how that came about and what was your motivation or inspiration for that? Absolutely. That was a really fun to work on because like you said, if you're not, if you're not working on something that drives you and that has purpose, it's, it becomes very stale very quickly. 
So the Mask Up Arkansas campaign was an early response to restaurateurs being challenged with enforcing mask wearing within their establishments. They didn't want to be the sole enforcers of this new practice because it was a new practice at the time. Now it feels, you know, second nature. So in conjunction with the Arkansas Small Business and Technology Development Center, which is a mouthful, but they're incredible. ASBTDC. Correct. (laughs) Yes. And they're doing incredible work for small businesses. And at the time, you know, they were getting everyone their first round of PPP loans. So they have and still do, as you know, they have a a weekly reoccurring Northwest Arkansas restaurant forum for the restaurant vertical. And it was, you know, a lot of restaurateurs coming together and kind of feeding and bouncing ideas off of each other and and seeing like what was working here, which is not working here. And what are you hearing from the top and what are you hearing from the bottom and how can we work together to make it better? So we set out, you know, with this grassroots response to destigmatize mask wearing. So looping in prominent figures, business owners, businesses within the community to go onto their personal social media or business platforms and state that they'll be wearing their masks in public and to encourage others to do so. And it received a lot of traction. I think, you know, a lot of bigger state agencies and bigger marketing and PR firms picked it up a lot. It, I mean, it, and it was 100% grassroots. There was nothing paid behind it. Yeah. It was all just everyone we knew getting together and going out to their networks and asking, you know, people to post a video or post a graphic that we're making. My friends over at Black Box, they did these incredible series of graphics for Mask Up Arkansas that we were able to share. And, you know, people really resonate when they see something that speaks to them or they see themselves in a graphic and they're more apt to share it that way. And yeah, so I think it was really successful. I think that it was easy to do and execute and it's still necessary to this day. I mean, we have a looming deadline of March 31st of when our governor is saying that he will lift the mask mandate and people still aren't prepared for that. They aren't. And I think there are still a lot of entities and organizations that are still going to require masks. And I'm still going to be wearing my mask even after I get my second vaccine shot. So I'm not giving up the mask anytime soon. And it's just because I want to be, I want to be careful for somebody else, right? I I don't want to be that guy that got like six people sick. So um, (laughs) that's, yeah, that's, that's the only reason. And, and, and I don't, well, well, everybody knows that I don't, I try not to make any political overtures on this podcast because there is enough, there are enough outlets and places to talk about politics. I just think that this is more of a, of a life issue. And I just have to say that one of my, One image that I put out on social media was the most shared, and it was an image that I had of me bike riding. I was doing this challenge back in September, raising money for cancer awareness, and I did did a bunch of Mask Up Arkansas pictures of me with my little thing over my mouth, riding my bike, because everywhere I was on the trail, I always had covering over my mouth and all that, but you know, that was got, that got some of the most traction. And, and you're right. It was grassroots because I remember one day I didn't see it. Then I saw this mask up Arkansas and I'm like, oh yeah, I love that. So I started using that hashtag in everything and I still use it to this day. And so I think it was, um, it was valuable. It was needed. And it's, it's just a sobering reminder of what we're still in the middle of. And just mm-hmm. a reminder that, you know, we're all in this together. And if we each carry our weight, then, you know, we'll, we'll, it will go a long way in helping us to, to eradicate this terrible virus. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, it's still 
ongoing too for the restaurants that are dealing with this and they're they're going to have to go back and be their own advocates and as if they haven't advocated for themselves enough this year. <laughs> No, if you listen to people like Hannah Withers and others, I mean, these guys yeah. have been in the trenches since day one. And I give her, a, I always give her a proper shout out and salute because, you know, she is the epitome of, of a restaurateur and somebody that is in the trenches with her folks. And, you know, quietly, I mean, the restaurant industry was probably one of the hardest hit industries in our area. And I want to say like, you know, 20, 20, uh, th- I mean, s- thousands of people that lost their jobs. And, some of which may never come back. And then others are just, you know, people have had to pivot and find other work, but you know, you don't realize how much of our economy is stabilized by service employees, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, bartenders, people that wait, wait staff, the whole nine yards. Like you said, like you grew up, I grew up waiting tables and it was like the best experience ever because it taught me how to deal with people. It taught me how to run my own business, if you will. And so Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's just so many valuable aspects to it, but it's the kind of thing where if it's pulled out from under you, if that rug is pulled out, then, you know, what do you have to fall back on? And there's not a lot. That's the challenge. So, right. And I, I've, I feel fortunate that I've learned so many lessons living in Austin and working with the Austin hospitality community for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it can be applied to Northwest Arkansas. Like how do hospitality professionals organize to have each other's backs? How do we band together when perhaps our state's legislators aren't taking care of them (laughs) or in times of crisis, like what happened in Austin in February, how do we work together to keep our communities fed and housed and how can we be organized to eliminate food waste and and take care of those that are hungry in our backyards. And I think these are the things that I keep thinking about for Northwest Arkansas and, and seeing a lot of the problems and the way that they were addressed with solutions in Austin can be replicated you know, in in a, in a tailored way to the Northwest Arkansas market. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, it just, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of work to be done and there's, there's plenty of opportunities out there for us to continue to get the word out and to, you know, to help this organization. Another issue that came out of this whole pandemic was, and I think it's actually a, a it's, it's a bad thing, but it's a good thing. And that is simply the, the food insecurity issue that nobody ever talked about pre-pandemic. Now, everybody, now it's in your face, right? And you don't realize how many people are struggling in that area, even people that have full-time jobs. And so if nothing else, it has created an awareness that was needed in this time. And now mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now that we know, how do we deal with it? How do we combat it? It's the same thing right. with, the, with the mask. So, Yeah. And I think that, that there's a lot of things <laughs> that can be done. I also feel like there's a lot of nonprofit in Northwest Arkansas that could come together and hit, you know several of these, you know, issue verticals head on instead of being disparate parts. And I think that that's something that I'd just like to learn more about. Yeah. And how yeah. I can help. Are you involved with NWA Gives by any chance or? You know, I was not last year, but I am, am being brought up to speed <laughs> for okay. this year. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty powerful event last year. It was a one day event to raise money. I think almost half a million dollars was raised for like 200 and three or 200, I don't know exactly, but nonprofits and other organizations that needed money. And I thought it was a good event and uh, they will mm-hmm. do it again this year on April 8th. I don't know at the time of listening to this particular episode that may April 8th may have already passed, but I just think it, it speaks volumes for the philanthropic giving that takes place in this community and how, you know, 
we like to try to take care of our own when and where possible. So, yeah, yeah. So it's huge. So what are some of your hopes for the future as we try to weather this pandemic and what's the advice that you've been giving to, you know, independent restaurateurs that maybe have pulled you up and said, well, Mary, what do you, you know, what do you think I should do? Here's my issue. How do I overcome this so that I can come out of the other side of this, you know, with my restaurant still intact? Cause that's like a legitimate issue for a lot of people right now. Right. Well, I think, you know, back to my work that, you know, I've been receiving from the Arkansas Small Business Technology Development Center, but also that I've been helping with is making sure that we're all working together on best practices, best practices to get the word out, best practices to support each other. I think that the independent restaurant coalition that turned basically restaurant pain into a motion, the lobby Congress that turned into the Restaurant Revitalization Fund that was just passed through the American Rescue Plan is huge. Yeah. I mean, $28.6 billion, huge. And so by the end of April, a lot of these restaurants are going to be able to apply for these grants to help recoup a lot of what was lost in 2020. And I think that that's going to be the, inf- and not by any means the whole answer, but that infusion of capital is going to help sustain them. I think that my advice to restaurateurs and businesses that are struggling right now are to help find resources within the community that are free to them, like the ASBDC. (laughs) They're helping people navigate through loans. They're helping them navigate through social media best practices, through marketing best practices, through operational best practices to help see them through. And those are all free services um, that they're able to take advantage of. I think that, you know, part of the, Independent Restaurant Coalition success was to leverage the members' public profiles and community connections to compensate for what they lacked in political clout. And I think that that's been kind of the hallmark of the stories we've been trying to tell in 2020 is going out there with your true and authentic self and telling your story in a real and raw way and not just glossing over (laughs) your pain is such a great way to connect to your consumer because they see themselves in your struggle because they're going through that same struggle. And I think that that's incredibly important to consider when you're getting your message out there is to make sure that, you know, these businesses are able to connect with their consumers in a real way. Yeah. Now, listen, you couldn't have said it any better. It is so true that everybody's story matters. And I'm telling people that all the time. That's, I mean, that's, it's honestly one of the reasons why I feel like I've had some success with this podcast is because everybody does have a story to tell. And whether you think other people want to hear it or not, I think you should share your story because you don't know how it will be freeing for you. And sometimes it's cathartic, but it also might be a real benefit to somebody else that's going through something similar to what you're dealing with. So absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's several people in Northwest Arkansas that I've just been kind of looking to to draw inspiration from. And one is Hannah Winters, like you were saying. I mean, just watching her do what she does is amazing and incredible. And she puts herself out there in such a real and emotional way. And you can't help but resonate with what she's saying. Reese Roberts, who used to be with Bordinos, she's helping hospitality professionals through the Fayetteville Independent Restaurant Association. And I think that we'll see some really cool things happening within that organization. She's contemplating issues like how do we get a group healthcare plan for hospitality workers? How do we create funds for emergency dental work that they need or anything, you know, medical related? I think Daniel Hintz is doing some really cool work. Yeah. 
you know, the revitalization of some of these downtowns, some of the projects that he's working on. DNA he, of place. <laughs> yeah. He's, yes. he's dynamic in himself. Yeah. I remember the first Roots Festival I attended, I saw him speak on a panel. I was like, wow, this guy is dynamic. Rafael Rios of Yeos mm-hmm. um, doing really, really cool work. I think Luke and Molly at Oven and Tap, they were the master pivoters during this pandemic. And found all the ways to keep us engaged with what they were doing at Oven and Tap. And it was a real, like, you wanted to support them because you saw the incredible effort that they were putting into everything that they were doing. And then, of course, you know, one of one of the first hospitality businesses I ever heard about in, in Northwest Arkansas or Arkansas in general was Andrea and John from Onyx. Onyx, yeah. Um, and what they were doing. And I remember I had a new business meeting in 2014 in Austin. And then these brothers were opening a coffee shop and they said, you know, we're drawing a lot of inspiration from Onyx. And, <laughs> and and I might be getting the dates wrong. It might be more like 2015, 2016. But I remember looking them up and being like, holy cow, this exists mm-hmm. in Arkansas. And, and they've, you know, I've been a big fangirl ever since. But all of them have done, you know, such innovative work to kind of navigate through these you know, troubling times. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they have. And and I actually moved my office recently right around the corner from the 1907 building. So I, I fortunately get to visit them. And I guess my wallet for my wallet, it's unfortunately, but fortunately yeah. I get to visit them, but I love good coffee. So, and you know, I've told people around the country about Onyx and they're like, oh yeah, we know Onyx. And you know, they're right up there with some of the best coffee roasters in, in the country. And, and I mean, you know, John's, John's been on the podcast a couple of times and his stories about traveling around the world and just the people that he's been able to touch and the families that are changed because of the way the business that Onyx does with them. I don't, I don't think that really connects with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like you might come up here and buy this coffee and yeah, it's a little bit more expensive than what you might pay someplace else. But at the end of the day, that trickle back to the people that have actually grown the coffee. I mean, they're all receiving it there. This is not, this is not sweatshop coffee. And there is a lot of sweatshop coffee out there you know, peddled by some companies who will remain nameless, but we see them everywhere. So you can kind of fill in the blanks there, but people like John and Andrea are really doing a great job with that. And that's right here in Northwest Mm -hmm. Arkansas. And a lot of people don't realize that. So it's far reaching impact. Yeah. And it's done in a responsible way, which I dig. And it's a great story. It is. And they're great people. They are. They really are. I mean, who's, I mean, it's a hard, it's hard not to root for a lot of these small businesses that are here in Northwest Arkansas that are really making an impact both near and far. So, mm-hmm. you know, I love that. So listen, I want to talk just a little bit about cannabis. Cause I mean, of course that's what everybody's talking about nowadays, um, whether it's CBD or whether it's, you know, all of these, uh, uh, gummies and all this other stuff. I mean, there's so many, you know, it's out of control and, I know the old company I used to work for, the uh, CBD, I mean, a cannabis company bought the, their building from my good friend, Mark Zweig, and they're right in Fayetteville. And, and I know cannabis has just kind of grown. And I know it's only legal from a medicinal standpoint here in Arkansas right now. But in other places, it's like totally legal, like Colorado. Like mm-hmm. I think the last time I was on the 16th Street Mall, I got a contact high just being out there <laughs> running into some smoke. And so, you know... <laughs> I'm not going to get into my past life or experience with cannabis, but the bottom line is <laughs> that it's it's a unique situation. So how have you been able to navigate that? Sure. I think, A, it was, it surprised me when it passed medicinally in Arkansas. I'm not sure why it surprised me, but 
living in Texas at the time, I was kind of floored that, you know, we would do that. Um, it's interesting the way that it's set up, right? Like currently there are 32 dispensaries that are open. They thought that the card holders up until this point would be around 30,000. It's 60,000 plus right now <laughs> from, from a tax revenue perspective. It's, it's working quite well. I'm sure. In Arkansas. I'm sure. I'm sure. To market medical cannabis is a whole different ballgame. Most of the tactics that we use for any other client can't be applied to cannabis. So there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of hurdles to consider. I think that our work with the source, which is a medical marijuana dispensary in Benton County run by some incredible folks, they are, you know, very, motivated to give back to the community because a it's the right thing to do but b there is the stigma that's still attached to smoking medical marijuana or ingesting it in any way that it's it's not reputable yeah. and even though you're prescribed you know a card even though that you're legally obtaining it it still has this uh kind of checkered past, if you will. So I think that they, they've made it their mission to make sure that they're giving back, whether that's to veterans, whether that's to women's shelters, whether that's to the beautification of the city, uh, they're, they're giving back. I think that to address the crazy, huge opioid epidemic in our country, that we're going to have to find alternative means of getting medicine to these folks. Yeah. Um, and I think that medical marijuana is a great way to do it. My, I also think that it, you know, again, like this stigma that's attached to it, my 21 year old, year old little cousin who's been in a wheelchair since she was 14, who just had spinal infusions, back surgery, she has muscular dystrophy. She just got her medical card to help address pain because of the, the obscene amount of medicines that she's prescribed from her doctors. Yeah. And this is the best way to alleviate it. Does it help her? It definitely helps. Oh, him. yeah, that's and it's funny you mentioned that not your cousin's situation, but just I was in an in a situation, a social situation where somebody was like, "Hey, do you mind?" And I was like, "I didn't know what he was talking about at first. And then he started, you know, filling his pipe, and I was like, "Oh, he's about to smoke some marijuana." But he was like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Yeah, I, yeah, I have a prescription for this." And I was like, "Yeah, no, go ahead, have your have have your way." And you know, I've um, yeah, I just I just it's it's interesting. I think I think socially. Some people will have to overcome that, right? And mm -hmm. and that that's going to be so for because for some people it's still a stigma and it's still stigmatized in terms of the use of it, even if it is like a legitimate use, like your cousin or like this gentleman that I'm I'm speaking of, who will remain nameless. But the bottom line is that <laughs> you know I totally get it, and I never really thought about it because I have no need for it, and I don't I don't have any issues that would require me to be prescribed it. But I I could totally see it being legitimate. And, you know, I know I think of somebody like my mom that has MS and she's 75 and like, you know, I could totally see her maybe being prescribed something like that, that would just take the edge off or maybe help her be more comfortable. I mean, I think mm -hmm. things like that. So you have to look at the bigger picture when you, when you talk about cannabis and it's not just this, all of a sudden we're just legalizing it and, and that's, everybody's going to go for broke. It's, it's, there are some legitimate purposes to use it like that. So, yeah. And I think that that's exactly the demographic that people are surprised when they look at the data and they're like, Oh, the average is cardholder is like 60 years old and female. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not the people that you would necessarily like put in this like category, right. Of they smoke marijuana. 
Right. And I think that, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so somebody's far, grandmother think, and somebody's grandfather are smoking marijuana right now because they need to. Because they need so, to. Yeah. yeah. My, so. um, it's yeah. I mean, there's a lot of conditions that it helps treat helps for appetite. There's I mean, there's a myriad of ways with sleep. So I, I, there's a lot of, you know, things that need to happen in order to make the industry better for our Kansans, especially yeah. from a pricing structure. But I think that the people that are you know, a part of the industry right now are doing it the best that they can. And I find the whole industry fascinating. I think it's a great sector for the economy and I'm eager to see what happens next. Yeah, no, it should be fun. I mean, it's certainly you have your work cut out for you, but I mean, you've, you've been dealing with big issues historically anyway. So I don't, I don't see this as being any less of a, of an opportunity for you guys to flex your marketing and PR muscles and, and yeah, show the world what you challenge. guys, yeah, show the world what you guys are made of. What does the future hold for Resplendent Hospitality? What are you hoping to do now that you've gotten your roots back in the the natural state and you've kicked Texas to the curb? And uh, yeah. so, wait, you know, I didn't ask you. Do you still have your cidery in Texas? Yeah. yeah. So we still have not only so our flagship Austin for Resplendent or our flagship office, I should say, is still at Austin. So okay. my partner Allie's there. She's running it. I still do a lot of business in Austin and go sure. back and forth. Yep. We also still have our hard cider company. We have been on hiatus okay. <laughs> for the past year. And we actually put cider in the tanks last month and should have it on the shelves next month in Austin. Nice. We were in 21 states before the pandemic. After we're going to go into about five. Okay. So I think okay. that the lessons learned for the Mickle household, I should say, and Argus are just simplification. Yeah. Uh, not trying yeah. to be everything at once, not trying to do everything at once. For Resplendent in Northwest Arkansas, I think that it's important that we do purposeful work, that whatever project we're taking on, there's an end goal that will either better the community, better the people that will benefit from a service that the client's providing better, you know, contribute to the community. People like Roots Fest, like one of some of my favorite people on the earth, like the Roots guys, they're not only planning what the festival will look like in August, but also hosting a ton of concerts on the avenue that will be, I think, you know, instant mood uplifters. We work with Puritan, we work with PK Girls out of Little Rock. I think that we're interested in doing things that help women. <laughs> Anything that can help lift them up, that can help give them a leg up in any way. I, I was very fortunate with my upbringing that I was given every advantage possible. And I didn't realize until later in life that that's not the case for everyone else. Right. So I'm pretty uh, determined to help women in any way I can, whether that's in business, whether that's donating money, donating my time, donating what little smarts I have to, right. to the cause. I'm always down to help. That's good. That's good. I love that. Well, if people, because I don't want to take up all your time and you've been so kind to kind of share with us a little bit of your story and, and I hope people have gotten something out of this, but if anybody listening to this wants to to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? They can go to our website, resplendenthospitality.com. There's a general email there, or they could just email me at Mary at respondenthospitality.com. And I fully well know that that's the longest email address ever. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but we'll put all of that in the show notes and, you know, definitely give, um, you know, give people a way to reach out and connect with you. There's a lot of notes that I've taken during this, this, this conversation. So it will be interesting. Of course, I can't let you leave without telling us, and I know it's hard because 
you have clients that come up, but where do you like to eat when you go out? And you don't have to pick just one place, but, uh, you know, what are some of your favorite places to have a good meal here in Northwest Arkansas? That's a great question. So in college, Hugo's has always been one of my favorite spots ever. Love the fries. Love the fries. Are a family tradition. That's where my mom went um, when she was in college here, which is so crazy. It hasn't changed a bit. I go to Springdale for tacos a lot. I miss tacos in Austin. So I found some pretty cool, just kind of either. um, Not the taqueria on Emma. That's across from Black Apple. I have not been there. Okay, they've got good tacos. I don't know the name of that okay. place. I, I need to find out the name of that place, but they they have really good tacos. They have good food, period. But you know, they have uh, they've they've got some they've got some good good stuff going on over there. That okay. whole downtown Springdale area is about to blow up. So I I agree. I yeah. think that there's a there's a drive through location of uh, Taqueria Mexicana that's just money. It's so good. The gosh, what is it? It's like Typhoon, a play a play on Typhoon. They have the best bonnies I've had in so long. We go there every Saturday, uh, my husband and I, and get two banh mi's, and my son even likes it. He's two years old. Um, oh, nice. We, you know, we cook at home a lot because of obvious reasons, but also my husband's a chef, so that helps. I think that the the produce we have in Northwest Arkansas is like unparalleled. Nobody it's, understands it. I tell my friends all the time, like, what are you doing in Arkansas? I'm like, dude, you got to come up to Northwest Arkansas. This is not... Oh this is not your daddy's Arkansas. This is a whole different place. Yes. So, and yeah. I'm so excited that Farmer's Market in Fayetteville just opened back up. I um, know. I was at, which is one of my favorite places ever, is Ozark Natural Foods. And they had this, and I can't remember the farm, but this like fully matured spinach. And it was like the thickest, most like curly leaf spinach I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. It was so good. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. And then of course, like Woodstone. I love Tula. That's a new Mexican spot on the square. I've heard about it. I've heard it's really good. Yeah. Enjoy the cocktails. I love going to Maxine's for a drink. Tula's in the Pryor Center, I think. Correct. Yeah. 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 Because we were actually going to do a podcast with them and we still need to do it. But the pandemic kind of slowed things down. So Mm -hmm. definitely need to get back over there and hang out and, and connect with them. So tell their story at some point. So, yeah, you're picking all the great places. So I think anybody listening to this. That's not from Northwest Arkansas is going to hear some of uh, Mary's recommendations and be like, wow, okay, there's a lot going on there. So uh, I need to check some of that out. So are you an outdoors person? Do you like to go out and hike or? Yes, I would say that I um, outdoors. Yes. Am I sporty? No, No, I'm 100 percent like a cycling poser. But I know that now that I live here (laughs) full time, I'm going to have to eventually get a bike and do it. I'm working with Bike NWA and those those folks are amazing, but we're mapping out like the slow streets routes and things like that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, I've got to get a bike. But so my house backs up to a green space and has a bunch of trails behind it. And, you know, it energizes me. I think that that that's another reason why I want to be in Northwest Arkansas, because it's so beautiful, yeah, <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. And there's so many places to escape to just to go hiking or see, you know, natural bodies of water. My husband's a big fisherman. So I'll kind of tag along and just read a book or hang out. But yeah, we, we love being outside here and I'm so excited to have four distinct seasons, which we did not have. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's the, that's the nice part about it. Even though the winter is never too tough, I would say that week that we had, that's probably the toughest week that I've ever spent here in Northwest Arkansas back in February when it was as cold as it was. I mean, I had seen some 
some temperatures I've never seen in my car before. So that, you know, that's <laughs> suffice to say, I, I don't uh, look forward to seeing that too often, but the, I'd say the winters are mild. So yes, but we do get the distinctness of having the four seasons, even though we're in the South. So, right. Yeah. Right. So there's that, there's that. So, well, Mary Mickel, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking time to share and to kind of unfurl the banner of resplendent hospitality and let the world know uh, what you guys are all about. And, and, you know, that you guys are behind a lot of the things that, that we see out there in the marketplace. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And especially for the hashtag mask up Arkansas, maybe I should make that the title of this podcast. So, you know, but I'm, I'm going to think of something creative to come up with when, when we release this episode, but thank you so much for joining us on I am Northwest Arkansas and we really appreciate all that you're doing to serve this great community. And, uh, we wish you nothing but success on with resplendent hospitality and everything that you're touching. And we look forward to connecting with you in the future to find out what's the latest, greatest things happening with you. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks, there you go. That's another episode of the, I am Northwest Arkansas podcast to learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit I am northwestarkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Make sure you sign up today. You can also subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn. We'll see you back here next week for a new I Am Northwest Arkansas episode. I can't even talk right now, but... You know what I'm saying. We'll see you back here next week. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.